Hello and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast. Brought to you by Biotechniques, this show brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. I'm your host, Biotechniques Digital Editor Annie Colson, and in this episode, we'll be discussing the use of nanopore sequencing in wastewater-based infectious disease surveillance. We'll look at what genomic epidemiology can bring to the One Health approach. Understanding this unifying concept now of, of One Health and that's this recognition that humans and animals, be them domestic or wild, and plants <laughs> and everything in the wider environment are all interconnected, and the health of one can impact the health of them all. The insights that wastewater can provide. It's, it's an unbiased look. When you look at wastewater and you look for what's there, you're getting a pulled sample of the entire community, and you're looking at that unbiasedly, and you're looking at that independent of healthcare-seeking behaviour or testing access. And how nanopore technology helps with wastewater surveillance. It's the real-time aspect of nanopore that's incredibly useful as well for scenarios where you have to report data in a timely fashion. So you can usually put on a sequencing run. You don't necessarily need that run to go on for days at a time. And within a short window of that run starting, you already have data being generated that you can start to analyse. My guest today is Andrew Lee, a Senior Research Fellow at Queen's University, Belfast. Andrew, it's great to have you on the show. Hello, and thanks very much for having me. To start us off, could you please tell us a little bit about what you do and the focus of your research? So uh, I'm involved with Queen's University Belfast Wastewater-Based Epidemiology Group, and our group kind of coalesced out of all of the early days of the, the pandemic, looking just like the rest of the world for means to get a head start on the, the sort of prevalence of SARS-2 within uh, our local community. So we started off from humble beginnings, and as the project grew and grew, we reached a point where we were surveilling, on average, about 65% Northern Ireland's population multiple times a week, four times a week, um, across about 34 wastewater treatment works. So Northern Ireland is a, is a reasonably small place, and most of the population is concentrated over certain urban areas, but we were covering quite a good portion of that from just 34 wastewater treatment works. And during the, the course of that project, much like the rest of the um, global wastewater testing outfits, we, we weren't just interested, obviously, in, in SARS-2 and, and helping our local public health authorities get a handle on it. We were also interested in what else wastewater could tell us. And so during the time of the project and up to now and, and onwards, we're still testing for other different viral pathogens, respiratory pathogens such as RSV, influenza A, influenza B. And then we're also interested in a monitoring of antimicrobial resistance and the like. And obviously every day brings something new. And so we're always looking for additional targets to add to our surveillance and see if we can actually use wastewater as a means to detect that and give the public health authority further information as to how to best combat or track whatever infectious disease is prevalent at that time of the year. So what can genomic epidemiology bring to the One Health approach and why is it important for public health measures? So genomic surveillance approaches can complement established epidemiological methods. I suppose that's the take-home message in the area of molecular 
biology. It's a powerful tool now to help augment and add extra data for public health authorities to get a handle on uh, whatever infectious disease that they're interested in at that point in time. It can provide rapid and reliable additional information on the, the incidence and spread of, of said infectious disease. And it can give information about whether or not that infectious disease is that being transmitted person to person or is that coming out of maybe potential animal reservoirs. And not only that, but depending on the disease, it can even give a bit of information on what drug resistance may be floating around or, or associated with the, the disease that's currently being monitored. And understanding this unifying concept now of, of one health and that's this recognition that humans and animals be them domestic or wild and plants and everything in the wider environment are all interconnected and the health of one can impact the health of them all with that context in mind the integration of genomic epidemiology alongside all the routine methods that have been established for, for decades is a strong aspect to add and can help really promote surveillance programs, be they clinical or agriculture, and help with routine you know, pathogen monitoring or help track emerging threats, which is obviously very important in light of what pandemic we're all going through. So simple pandemic preparedness is one key aspect of genomic surveillance and how that can help epidemiology going forwards. And why look at wastewater? What insights can wastewater-based epidemiology provide? So wastewater is something that we all just get used to being there. You know, it's something we just flush away and we forget about. But wastewater is, as I say, something that has been used to track or get a handle on uh, biological or chemical indicators of, of human health for a very long time. It's been used to monitor polio and still is used in that capacity. And what it effectively represents is a pooled sample from the entire community. And if you picture a pyramid and that pyramid at the base of it, under current epidemiological surveillance methods, that pyramid starts with those individuals that seek out health care. They're then tested. And then if they end up turning up positive for whatever that is, that data then gets rolled into the, the national statistics. So we understand what's going on. But where wastewater adds an additional component to that, and the current epidemiological methods are missing, is there's a further sub-basement to that pyramid. And that sub-basement is made up of asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic individuals, so people that don't even know they're infected and could be spreading something, or people that are feeling a little bit sick and so they decide to stay at home, or maybe they don't do that. <laughs> and so it's, it's an unbiased look. When you look at wastewater and you look for what's there, you're getting a pulled sample of the entire community and you're looking at that unbiasedly and you're looking at that independent of healthcare seeking behavior or testing access you know if we're talking about third world countries etc and so it captures both those symptomatic and asymptomatic infections that may be circulating within a community and going into the specifics a bit more how do you incorporate nanopore sequencing into your work and what features of nanopore sequencing made you choose it so nanopore sequencing or, or long-read sequencing is something that is becoming a lot more accessible to small to medium-sized labs. Uh, we're very lucky here to have access to a number of sequencing technologies, but we've found the accessibility and ease of use of, of nanopore-based technologies to be 
a prime reason why we use it for a variety of things here in the lab. So we use it when we don't need a lot of high throughput. So short read sequencing is that is that workhorse of labs. Uh, but to really make that economical, to make that work for you, you, you usually have to batch samples and, and maybe process larger amounts. So there's a delay towards when you start that library prep and end up eventually getting your data. And so with the likes of Nanopore, we can run small sample numbers. And that's been very critical for a variety of points during our work. One of those being uh, when we want to sense check any new assay that we either develop in-house or we adopt, we want to make sure that what we're actually detecting from the wastewater are our amplicons of interest and they're not maybe non-specific amplifications. So in the past, you would have uh, done old school Sanger sequencing with some of the new workflows uh, that Nanopore offer. You can just do that quite simply there in-house. Um, and then for the influenza A work that we have done, we, we picked Nanopore as head and shoulders above the others because of that accessibility, because we were looking at a few targeted sites, key sites, and we didn't have the time either to wait until we had a reasonable number of samples because the whole point of wastewater-based epidemiology is to give a sort of early warning system. So there's no point waiting until that point where you should have warned about something starting to appear has passed. And it's the real-time aspect of Nanopore that's incredibly useful as well for scenarios where you have to report data in a timely fashion. So you can usually put on a sequencing run. You don't necessarily need that run to go on for days at a time. And within a short window of that run starting, you already have data being generated that you can start to analyze. And so we've found that very useful in our labs for the influenza A workflow, for example, because we can go from raw wastewater to confirming it's positive for influenza A to generating amplicons. And if that's successful, sequencing them all within the course of 48 hours. And that's why the technology is very, very useful. And then furthermore, the long read aspect of it, because of the way that the influenza A genome is constructed, it's segmented, and each segment is of different lengths, it makes no sense to generate amplicons that are full length for those segments and then further fragment them down again to maybe take a short read sequencing approach because then you might be introducing things like amplification bias and so on and so forth. And how did you develop your experimental workflow and what has been your experience of using nanopore technology? So our experimental workflow is at each key stage of it. Uh, if we're talking from the moment that we have purified nucleic acid from the wastewater, we, we have adopted already tried and tested and published means. So we've adopted a host agnostic approach where we use a pan influenza A qPCR assay to first of all monitor the wastewater. And this is exactly the same as what our colleagues here in the agri side of things in Northern Ireland do as well. So we're using similar assays and that feeds back into the whole One Health approach that the clinics, the environment, etc., and and the, the agriculture side of things, if we're all using the same approach it makes standing over that data a lot stronger where we're not all using various different assays and different approaches for sequencing. And so we then adopted the very well-known and tried and tested means of amplifying influenza A genome using just a single primer pairing that, that makes use of the conserved viral three and five prime termini where you can generate from 
using just a single primer pairing and a single PCR reaction, hopefully all eight segments. So amplicons representing all eight segments. And so what we can very quickly do is then check that we've done that. We've got them all right, proper, and head on with our library prep and get that done very, very quickly. And so our experience of using nanopore technology for this purpose has been very positive. It's been it's been a great addition to what we can do here. What were the key findings from your Influenza A surveillance project? The key finding from our Influenza A surveillance project here in Belfast was using our methods that we were the first to show that not only could we effectively get whole genome sequencing of Influenza A from wastewater, but in addition to that, because we were generating much more genomic data, we were able to show also that within our wastewater streams here in Northern Ireland, we were picking up avian influenza. So we're the first group, as far as I'm aware, to not only show that it's not just human influenza that is present within the waste stream, but also avian, and that we also were able to do whole genome sequencing or meta whole genome sequencing from the wastewater, where up to now it's been more targeted sequencing approaches where, where groups prior to ours have, have shown that you can amplify out and sequence the likes of the antigenically important hemagglutinin or neuraminidase segments, which are obviously the, the, the way of classically typing influenza A. And so that, that was a big surprise that we were able to do that. It was also a big surprise we weren't just seeing human influenza in the wastewater. And so we feel that our work can show that through monitoring of the wastewater or potentially through monitoring of other environmental samples, that whole surveillance approach of monitoring the environment could have a central place in One Health approaches to control the spread of zoonosis. And, and we feel that's a significant development because it's well documented that influenza A reservoirs, the, the major reservoirs of them are actually avian in nature, especially waterfowl and the like. And it's been known for decades that wastewater treatment works are a rich and fertile urban habitat for waterfowl. And so it should be no surprise that we're potentially able to pick up within the waste that is entering these wastewater treatment works and are also heavily populated by migratory bird species or what have you, that we can pick up avian as well. And so this is, is quite neat that through monitoring of a single sample, we could potentially look at animal reservoirs, a avian reservoirs of influenza A, and have that add additional information to the various relevant public health authorities about what, what's just prevalent within the wild bird populations. Hmm. And you've spoken about this a bit already, but how would information like this aid influenza A surveillance? Yeah, well, it's just, I suppose it's just repeating um, the whole basis of wastewater-based epidemiology, or if we want to broaden that out to environmental surveillance, so whether we decide, you know, we, we want to look at freshwater habitats, saltwater habitats, you know, look at the soil, and that that's within fields or wherever you can imagine. The whole point of this surveillance is to act as an early warning system. So it is to act as a sort of sentinel surveillance system where you could concentrate on key areas and you could concentrate on them with some degree of reasonable frequency, but not where you're having to do it 
do a huge amount of samples. And so you could keep that pressure up, that surveillance pressure up consistently throughout the year. And then you're producing information that just wasn't there previously in a very cheap way. And so should the unforeseen happen or should we unfortunately uh, have another pandemic start to rise, we'll get an early warning on that, mm. something we never had for SARS-2. And so this sort of information, as I say, is it's real strong suit as an early warning system. But if you want to delve a little bit deeper into it and you want to talk about influenza specific things, you know, it can help at the start if we're able to monitor the start of your typical influenza epidemic. You can maybe give a handle on or forecast pressures that might be coming for the health service. You can inform in-season estimates of how effective your vaccine is going to be. Have you picked the right vaccine for that incoming year? If you have that, brilliant, fantastic. You've got, you know, the, the confidence that the vaccine that no doubt has already started to be rolled out will have the best effect that it can. But also you will then have a handle on any potential detection of any novel or emerging variants. Are we seeing antigenic shifts there that might actually be the start of some sort of pandemic causing influenza A strain? And also, it could just be useful from a simple public health messaging angle. You know, um, why not tweet about it? Why not, you know, get the PHA saying, oh, we've noticed that uh, we're starting to see influenza A on the uptick. Could everyone just please be aware of that and a little bit more yeah. awareness around, around what you're space. doing? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All all of that. And, and then where it might also be useful is understanding exactly how the influenza A strain for that incoming winter season. How does that actually arise? Where where are these reservoirs? Is it something as simple as what's in the Southern Hemisphere ends up hitting us? How does it get into the country? Should we be looking at transport hubs and getting a handle on when that first starts to move uh, you know, across our borders and then onto our shores? Because as the pandemic that we're in at the minute has shown, viruses, bacteria, etc., any infectious disease does not respect borders. Mm -hmm. And so finally, looking to the future, what's next for your research? Well, we're, we're very interested here in what else that we can tell from samples beyond wastewater. So a lot of our research now at the minute is broadening and using our various assays to look at other environmental samples, because the real sharp end of the, the stick here at dealing with wastewater and the, all the pre-processing methods and, and what you do here, that can be applied with very little changes to other types of environmental samples. And so we're currently looking at sampling from freshwater and environments and that to see if influenza A can be detected that way. We're also very interested in antimicrobial resistance here. So we're looking to see about how we can detect that from the wastewater, um, how we can detect that from other environmental samples as well, and generally really push forth the idea of environmental genomic surveillance and how that can help public health bodies. And, and then, of course, there's also the other blue sky things as well. We've built up these relationships. We have access to wastewater, which I know some people don't find all that attractive. And mm -hmm. so, you know, what, what else could we glean from wastewater other than acting as an early warning system and giving us an indication of what disease is prevalent? You know, what could you bioprospect 
from wastewater. Uh, it's it's well documented and known that you know bacteriophages have been isolated from wastewater to help target hard to kill bacteria. You know, so what else could we potentially harvest out of the very thing that we just flushed down the toilet? All that from a bit of wastewater. <laughs> <laughs> So that's all of my questions. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Andrew. If you would like to find out more about using nanopore sequencing in infectious disease surveillance, check out our focus on the topic with Oxford Nanopore over on www.biotechniques.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye.